We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up? Welcome in. It's another 3 Ma podcast. I am John Kurtz, joined by Derek Young from K-State Online, Cole Manbeck, former K-State beat writer. And today uh, we'll be covering a lot of recruiting, maybe some big picture ideals here with everything that's happening right now in the NCAA, NIL, how it affects K-State. Uh, there's a lot to catch up on. I would say like news and notes right now. We have not had big bombshell breaking news in the last week or so. Things have calmed down a little bit on that front. As always, we appreciate the support of Holiday Distillery and 360 Vodka. Make sure and check out their new bourbon that is coming out as well, whatever it is that you may be celebrating. Hopefully for K-State on Monday, uh, Wildcat fans will be able to celebrate the commitment of Antoine Davis, big-time transfer out of Detroit Mercy, who is one of the all-time leading scorers in NCAA history. We've been waiting on for a long time, and uh, D.Y., look, you've been kind of, you know, razzing me a little bit about my impatience here with with uh, Antoine Davis and his decision. It does feel like it's been a while since we had that momentous Twitter occasion with everybody really spurning on his uh, his visit to Manhattan. He went and took the visit to BYU, then kind of went silent. We've seen like Marquise Noel tweeting things at him, subtweeting him a little bit, like, hey, man, go where they're showing you the love. Uh, and now we just got today, if you're, if you're catching the podcast on Thursday, we got today a message from him saying he will decide on Monday. But the M and the D are capitalized, which is very cryptic when Maryland is involved, when his father, Mike Davis, is involved. Listen, it's just a lot to take in, okay? Just cut me some slack. It's a lot to take in for somebody that followed Bruce Weber and Bill Snyder recruiting for a decade plus where there weren't a lot of these like big high profile recruiting battles, okay? So I'm just I'm trying to I'm trying to get myself ready and prepared here. Yeah, I mean, that's understandable and you have the football recruitments to kind of worry about too, right? Because here <laughs> it's like everything right now. I'm not like people are actually coming and trying to get the same guys K-State's getting. Yeah, like the Avery Johnson that okay Avery Johnson Dylan Edwards Joe Otting we'll stick to the page stick to the script here with the Antoine Davis and what my feelings are about where this stands and it's really from the same view as everyone else I'm not really tucked as inside as I'd like to be that's been a pretty insulated recruitment let's be honest uh, not a whole lot of information has leaked um, just you know where he's going to visit prior to him making that visit and the five schools that are in contention. That's Kansas State, BYU, Maryland, and Georgetown. Let's talk about that tweet, the M and the D. First off, you know, I failed to see the significance of that. Um, maybe he's trying to, you know, cause a little more anxiety from the John Kurtzes of the world, but color me skeptical that he's really trying to hint or reveal his choice before the fact it, it, you know, he might be just trying to play, play along with everything, but from all you know, accounts, Maryland is not tremendously involved at this stage of the game, at least not that I can detect. On the other hand, if you thought the M and the D stands for Mike Davis, his father, the head coach of Detroit, and a possible return there, that's where I could see a potential swerve, to be honest, if it's not Kansas State. I really can't see Georgetown, potentially BYU. It sounds like they had a pretty good visit with him, and that was a recent trip as well. But if, it, if it's not Kansas State, and to be clear, because of everything we've seen from social media activity and just everything that has transpired, I would still guess K-State is the choice. But if it's not, I actually think the score would be Detroit. Because to be honest, that wasn't even a part of the discussion initially. It was as that he wanted to leave Detroit to have the opportunity for NIL 
to play in a bigger conference, which also makes me a little bit doubt BYU's chances. I mean, that was the, the narrative of why he entered the transfer portal to begin with. And now all of a sudden Detroit pops up on the graphic and, you know, they're a potential option. Then the graphic that didn't even include BYU at first, mind you. So, um, you know, a lot of drama to this and a lot of different angles. But I, I guess I'm not completely ignoring that route back to Detroit just because of how it has risen up and become a potential option. Yeah, I mean, to me, the, the thing that was worrisome about BYU is it seems like they do have a lot of money. In fact, uh, the NCAA has, like, just reading one of these articles about everything going on with NIL right now, and it was BYU and somebody else. There were, like, two schools the NCAA had already reached out to. Not that they are, like, investigating right now the inducements aspect of this, but they'd at least, like, started down that road, and it was BYU and somebody else. Clearly, they, they do have a pile of money out there. Um, but I'm with you. It seems like uh, just staying where he's at would be the main threat right now. And let me also be clear that I am very much, look, let the kids have fun, enjoy their recruitment and all that. It's just, it is legitimately, and this is something I want to get into later in the podcast. It is legitimately new territory for K-State fans to have to deal with this many kids that you're after with legitimate other options coming in and worrying about it all. But Speaking about a guy with options, uh, Cole Manbeck, if you can if you can see if you're watching here on, on YouTube, he's doing <laughs> it from a hotel room. Uh, this is a man that has the option to go anywhere he wants in Vegas right now because he's in Vegas. He is, in fact, on an anniversary trip um, with his wife. And if we would have actually recorded when we were supposed to record uh, initially or were trying to record the day before, would have ditched his anniversary to come do this pod for you. So don't ever say that Cole Manbeck is not dedicated to the game. It seems more like he is married to the game, in fact, than he is married to his lovely bride, Vanessa. But, uh, Cole, if you would like to offer your opinion on Antoine Davis and or your marriage, uh, go ahead. The floor is yours. Well, we were we were going to make it work. First of all, my wife is here for a work conference. So she actually had okay. to as it as it turned out, she actually had to ditch me yesterday at four o'clock to go wow. do some work. So we could have done that podcast and been fine. Uh, we ended up having dinner out by the Bellagio um, across from it at Paris uh, Hotel. It, it's been good, but uh, I have the day to myself. I mean, my wife's tied down at a conference all day. I hope I can find something to do. Uh, we'll see what I do next. I thought maybe we'd record this down at the pool, um, maybe give you guys some sights and views of Las Vegas. But uh, yeah, I'm in the hotel room right now. I had a great plan to give you the Bellagio fountains as the backdrop, which my hotel room outlooks on, but the uh, blinding sun was unbearable. You would not have been able to see me, which you probably would have preferred. Uh, as far as Antoine Davis and getting on the topic, look, it's easy to get impatient with what's going on. Uh, it does seem like it's been a while and starts to lose a little bit of that buzz and excitement from the social media engagement that occurred um, when that happened a couple weeks ago. Uh, you know, and, and the MD, it, it is hard to read into social interactions and what they're doing on social media. Look, if I was Antoine Davis, I'd probably mess with fans as well. And uh, so I, I wouldn't read too much into that. Um, but if he does go back to Detroit, I mean, I, I think I'm with DY on that. I think that's probably the other top option at this point. And I think it comes down to, you know, not, not that he can't win at Detroit, but I think it comes down to, does he want to play for his dad? And does he want to take a shot at the all-time scoring title in the NCAA? Or does he want to come to Kansas State and have a chance to win and, and be more on the premier stage, on the big stage in a Power Five conference, the best conference in America, where he's probably not going to have a shot to get you know the all-time scoring record because there's going to be better players around him taking some of the shots. He won't have the volume of shots at Kansas State that he would have at Detroit and possibly the freedom, but certainly could still be a big-time impact scorer at K-State and something that K-State really needs right now. I mean, they need guards who can put the ball in the basket. They need wings. And so getting Antoine Davis locked down is a big step. And uh, hopefully come Monday, Kansas State has their eighth scholarship player in the fold, um, in addition to the other four guys that they've signed so far. Well, and speaking of that, K-State has landed a, a couple of commitments here that we have not had a chance to talk about. Uh, Dorian Finster and uh, Naquan Tomlin. Tomlin, being the more high profile of the two, it sounds like Finster is more of a uh, redshirt candidate down the road, uh, a developmental candidate within the program. And then you've got Tomlin, who seems like a really springy, athletic, uh, kind of forward tweener sort of a prospect that is Texas Tech, St. John's, among others, were, were really in on. Um, I, I'll be honest, I have not 
seen a whole lot or paid a, a ton of real close attention to this DY. So I'll, I'll kind of see everything to you on this, but I, these didn't have quite the same weight of excitement as like the back-to-back transfers that K-State pulled in that were guys that have been top 150 kids or um, in the case of Jarrell Colbert, a top 50 kid before, but still I think at least a, a positive sign that K-State did land those and got themselves up to now seven scholarship players. Yeah, and maybe it didn't conjure the same excitement level, but I think Naquan Tomlin probably should have. At one point, he was the number three JUCO prospect in the entire country. I think he finished at number seven, was the top available junior college player at the time that Kansas State landed him. And quite frankly, I'm probably a little bit more excited about Cam Carter. He's probably my number one guy that Kansas State has landed thus far. But my two would probably be Tomlin, with Colbert being number three. I think Tomlin can be that you know, be that dynamite at Kansas State, quite frankly. He has got a horde of, you know, skills and athleticism, a very bouncy athlete, can play above the rim. There's not like one thing he can't do. Now, he's probably not superior at a few of them, which if he was, he would probably have been even more recruited than he was and maybe not even at the junior college level. Interestingly enough, he played four years or was at the junior college level for four years. He Redshirted a year at Monroe um, and then played a year at Monroe College in New York and then two years at, at Chipola where Kansas State recruited him from. So he's actually pretty well seasoned, an older player and someone that they're going to be able to rely on probably right away. And yeah, he's tweener's probably a good way of putting it. Pretty versatile. I bet he can play the three, the four and the five um, probably fits more in at the four. But in a pinch, if you want to go small, you can put him at the five. I don't know that you want him banging against the, you know, what is it, the Lampkin kit from TCU. That's probably going to be a fruitless endeavor. But in certain situations, I think he can play the five. In certain situations, I think he can play the three. He's got an ability to shoot it from the outside as well. Now, he's not a, you know, an elite three-point shooter that's going to knock down near 40%. But he's not going to be able. He's not someone that has to pass up every three point attempt if it's wide open. He could, he can knock him down. I think, I think he might have still been a, a better three point shooter last year than Ishmael Masood. So it is interesting the amount of versatility that he can provide them, and I do think his his upside and his potential might be the highest of the four that they've landed, which is probably saying something. Might be my favorite addition to the class so far. I love his versatility, his athleticism his ability to do everything. I mean, he can handle the basketball. He can play the three, probably he can play the four. And he's not going to bang around in the post to your point DY necessarily, but extremely bouncy athlete that has a lot of tools uh, is going to be very useful on the defensive side of the floor. And also on the offensive side of the floor. I mean, the guy averaged, I think he shot 63% in his career on shots inside the three point line. Right. So a guy that can score around the basket, very athletic, um, and I think he's, he just brings a lot of tools to what this staff really needs. And the other thing, I mean, I know junior college recruiting has been kind of difficult to process over the last decade or so, especially in, in college basketball, right? And K-State hasn't had a lot of success in the junior college ranks when you look through some of the guys they brought in, but Baylor did. So you look at Jerome Tang's success in the junior college ranks, and you had Joe Akul who ended up being an all big 12 type player and played professionally. And he was junior college in Kansas. Actually, they pulled him out of there. You've got Devonte Bandu. You got Kenny Cherry, Pierre Jackson, Nuni Omont. These are all guys that earned some level of all conference honors or played professionally overseas or in the NBA. And so those were all Juco kids. The staff has been good at the junior college ranks, especially when you look at Jerome Tang's history And so I like that. And the other thing, when you look at the overall class that they have brought in, one of the other things I like, D.Y. and John, and you mentioned how seasoned he is. So Tomlin is a guy that's been in the ranks for four years. He's a veteran player. He brings some maturity to Kansas State. I like the guys they brought in that have high upside. They still have a lot of time left in their career, but they also have been through the strength program for a year at the college level. You look at Cam Carter, you look at Colbert, you now look at Tomlin. Um, but especially Carter and Colbert, et cetera. These are guys that have been through a year of college basketball. They know what they're getting into. They're a little more seasoned. Now, they didn't play a lot, right? But they've been through it. They're a little more ready to go than your typical incoming freshman. And so I, I like that about the guys that they brought in. And then you look at Finister, uh, a very high upside, kind of your four or five-year type developmental player that we saw you know, develop at Baylor. He's 6'5". He's got some length to him. 
some versatility there. So I, I do like that addition. I think you need some pieces of, you know, some types of guys that you're going to develop and will be around for a while. I got one comment to add, and it's kind of a combination of the two things that each of you said. John brought up Texas Tech being a serious threat for Tomlin, and they were. They were scheduled to have him on a visit to Lubbock after his visit to Manhattan. They never got him there because he committed and signed. So that's a good thing. But Texas Tech is another school that has had great success at the junior college level as well. So I don't think that should be something that is ignored here either. Um, maybe he didn't come with the same fanfare, obviously, but I think Naquan Tomlin might turn out, you know, when we're talking about this in a year or so, that he might have been the most valuable and best prospect that they landed during the cycle. Could definitely see it. And I'm I'm with most people in being generally pretty skeptical of junior college recruiting in basketball because it just, you know, it, it's been a crapshoot for a long time. And, you know, with K-State, with some of Bruce Weber's JUCO polls, it was, you know, I mean, what, did, did David Sloan come from JUCO? I can't, but like Austin yeah. Price, um, you know, I mean, and Austin Trice was pretty heralded. That, that was supposed to be somebody who was a huge piece. And he's and, doing pretty well right now, though, for Old Dominion. Had yeah, a well, good year. And, and at the end of that run and, you know, the 18-19 season, like he did give a little something. But I think we've been conditioned to be kind of disappointed by what some of the junior college additions have actually added here. But all that being said, I will throw out a couple of indicators that to me at least – tell me that there's there's a good chance this guy can be a really productive, really good player. One, the schools that are after him. I mean, that's an easy thing here, right? Like, you can even tell me, D.Y., hey, this guy at one point was the number three junior college player in the country, uh, number seven, according to some folks. Right now, some places have him as the, the top Juco player that was still available. Um, all of that's great, but again, I would look at it and say, I'll take it with a grain of salt, except then, like, hey, what schools are after him? Well, like you said, Texas Tech, a place that has had a really nice track record with junior college players and right now is red hot. Um, Baylor, the history there with Jerome Tang now taking over at K-State, him being somebody that's that interested and prioritized him that much. And I think they really wanted to sneak up on Texas Tech here. Like all those things told me, okay, like these guys, these guys think this is legit and this is a really big, valuable piece. And then even St. John, Xavier, Pitt, Mississippi State, like high major suitors, uh, P6 uh, suitors that were after him. And the other thing, in today's day and age, I almost wonder if there's been such an overcorrection to the transfer portal that overcorrection to the transfer portal rather that that we're we're missing some of the JUCO talent. Like JUCO talent is not going to be pursued quite as much because everybody just figures, hey, it was already a crapshoot, and now we can go get some of these guys that, like Cole was saying, have been through a strength program, have been through a year of college basketball, and we don't have to worry uh, as much about the junior college talent. So all those things do make me optimistic. I would say, fair, fair. Okay. All right. Sometimes I can't tell when I start looking at DY, like I'm like, does he, does he like this? Does he like this? Is that, am I making a good point? I, I, I would point out one, one Kansas State player recently it was pretty good from the Juco and, and take it with a grain of salt. I know he had his limitations as well. McCall Moeen, you know, he turned yeah. out to be a really yeah. good, good cog for a big 12 championship team. Yeah, I, I completely agree with the points you made, John, and and I like DY's point that Texas Tech was after him. I mean, they've been one of the best junior college scouting type schools for that type of talent, and you know Kansas State knew Texas Tech wanted him. I mean, DY, I don't want to speak for you, but you've known about Tomlin for quite a while, probably before he was really publicized by anybody, and you knew we we knew collectively the staff really wanted him. I mean, they they'd had him on the radar for weeks, and you hadn't heard a lot of notoriety or publicity but there was a reason for that uh, they didn't want it out there that they were you know going after him and uh, wanted to get him before texas tech could so so the question now to be basketball recruiting wise becomes for for this next team like this first team where are the wings going to come from because there there are some guards in the fold now carter that you mentioned finister obviously noel who's still there we've got some four slash five ish masood tomlin colbert but who's actually going to be there on the wing? And, and like Davis, you know, can be a, a big part of that. Still waiting on, on his decision. But where, where does it head if he's not coming? Or even if he is, like, where is K-State going for players on the wing right now? Yeah, that's a, it's a really good question. Um, we haven't really seen them connected to that many, right? And it makes you wonder if they know something that we don't because there's not this just onslaught of a pursuit of anyone specifically that we're – you know, I guess privy to, and for that to be the case, I, I would think that they're probably closer on something than we know them to be. 
I think that was kind of the case at first. They're just like, man, what are they doing with the bigs? What are they doing with the guards? Um, you know, at the at, when this all began. Right. And I think they already knew at that time, hey, we got Jarrell Colbert. We'll get him on campus, close him. That's probably a slam dunk. Same thing with Cam Carter. So that alleviated a lot of the pressure that they were feeling in some certain spots. My hunch is that something like that is probably in the cards um, with the wing position. Um, I wish I had that information because I believe that there's something in the works. I just, that's probably just not something I've uncovered personally at this moment, but I do, we do know some of the transfers that they've been linked uh, linked to that could probably, that would be wings. And that's what the Mosley kid from Missouri state, um, Isaiah Mosley. Now he's wanted by profile. Well, a very high profile crew wanted by everyone in the country. I doubt that's the one that's in the works. It would be great if if it was. And then the Wichita State transfer, Dexter Dennis, which I'm sure a lot of the listeners or viewers, however you're consuming this podcast, are aware of because he played um, w- with the Shockers. And we saw him last year go against the Cats when Kansas State beat them in Wichita. So um, I think there's that's probably the extent of, of the targets that we're at least privy to at this moment, at least that I can come up with. But I do think there's probably a name that we're not aware of that they're a lot closer to landing that we're just we just don't know. Yeah, the the dream is Antoine Davis at the two and uh, Mosley at the three, right? That would that yeah. would be the ultimate dream. Mosley's a six foot five kid who's a transfer from Missouri State, averaged over twenty points per game, six rebounds per game, veteran player. I mean, that'd be a lot of scoring to share between Antoine and him, but that would be the dream scenario. You know, Emoja Gibson is out there, but he's another 6'1 guard, right? And so him and Antoine are really, you know, the shooting guard types. And so you can't, you, you got to be careful because you got to have some length on the perimeter. Now we know Baylor with, you know, Davion Mitchell, Jared Butler, Macy Oteague. I mean, they played a lot of three guard lineups, but their guards were a little longer, you know, more of the 6'3", 6'4 variety. Marquise Noel being five foot eight, five foot nine. And then, you know, you got Antoine Davis. If he's in the fold at six one, they got to get some length, probably a little more length at the three spot at that wing position. And so, you know, is Emoja Gibson a fit? He played at North Texas under Dream Dowling. Uh, Phil Byer, the strength coach, was at North Texas at that time. So there is some familiarity and Big 12 tie ins there. They know each other well. They know what he brings to the table, having been at Oklahoma the last couple of years and then under Dowling at North Texas. So, uh, they know he, I think he'd be a great addition. I just they got to figure out a way to work. And I think Dexter Dennis, that's that's an interesting one, guys, because he's a six foot five kid. And it seems like we've never heard about him taking a visit to K-State. But K-State has always been in the mix. And then they make the top six list. And so you wonder, has K-State snuck him in for a visit, gone unnoticed? Are they planning to get him in for a visit? What's going on there? He's an interesting addition. You know, he was a really good player as a freshman at Wichita State and then really kind of just hovered around the eight, nine points per game mark and shot under 40 percent from the field each of his four years at Wichita State. But a heck of a defensive player, heck of an athlete. And maybe if you get him in a different system under this coaching staff, they can tap that tap into that potential that he does have. And he can be that double digit a game scorer. We know he'll bring a lot to the defensive side of the floor. Yeah, listen, I mean, I think based on the current situation, you, that, that's a take. That's a take for sure. And uh, I, I would echo the sentiments about, like, potentially there are things that we don't really know much about because the staff has been very good at being pretty selective with how much information gets out there, who knows what. And they're calculated. They don't, yeah, they're very calculated. calculated. They, don't, they don't seem to be um, – yeah, they're not just throwing information out there willy-nilly. They seem to have a real strategy here. For instance, Tomlin. You know, I mean, Tomlin, they kept – pretty quiet for a while because they wanted it to to be a surprise. They wanted to kind of sneak up on some of the competition there and it worked. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, you know, go back to a month ago when everybody was wondering, like, when when is a single commitment going to happen? And now here they've gotten the ball rolling on some of that. So, yeah, I would I would urge some uh, some patience there. And and that goes for myself too, by the way. That's what I said. And, it, and it comes in the face of, you know, there it has not all been positive. Now, Layden Blocker is going to be in this weekend, who is to some services a four-star kid, to some a five-star kid for the class of 2023. So he wouldn't be playing on this year's team, but next year. We thought that he was going to be joined by Julian Phillips, who was a five-star for this year in 2022. And like almost immediately after getting a lot of confirmation, I mean, it was not just like K-State sources that were reporting that he would visit K-State. You had national recruiting folks reporting he was going to visit K-State. Within about 24 hours of that happening, the visit gets canceled. And so now that's not happening anymore. Um, is this somebody throwing the bag at him? It, was it going to be just a courtesy visit because K-State is expected to hire his former prep coach, Rodney Perry? Uh, where, where do you kind of reconcile everything, D.Y.? Yeah, that's it's an interesting thing. I will share what I shared on our site. Um, before it was even canceled, right? So I cut. So then, after it got canceled, we kind of put two and two together. You, you just don't know what the two is, obviously. But we were told, you know, Tennessee and Auburn are the two major players for his services right now. I know he's talking overtime elite, and I think the G League as well. And maybe that's still an option. I'm not sure. But the other colleges associated with him, such as Florida State, USC, South Carolina, they weren't really involved. But he was going to visit Kansas State. Was it a courtesy visit or not? No one really knew. I think some kind of just assumed that, but it was just never something specifically stated by his camp. So it was like, well, maybe Kansas State can turn his head and we'll see where it goes because obviously there's that connection that everyone had been chatting about behind the curtain, such as us, with Rodney Perry being the potential third assistant since he coached him at Lake. But we were told Tennessee-Auburn, but that Tennessee was the likely favorite and that they would have already closed him by that point. Had they just gotten through, there was one hurdle that just hadn't been crossed yet, so to speak. And then 24 hours later, the K-State visit was canceled. So it makes me believe that maybe the Vols got across that bridge, you know, or, or eliminated that one hurdle. That's the only thing that I can muster what that hurdle was. I think we can all have a pretty good imagination, but None of us can really confirm what it is one one way or another. I'm going to assume that someone did not want him taking that visit to Kansas State. We know how good this staff is at selling the program, and we also have seen the social media engagement K-State fans have had. We know it would have been buzzing for a guy like Julian Phillips and um, between the Rodney Perry connection and then just this coaching staff in general, how detail-oriented they are when these kids come in on visits. It's very impressive with what the plan they put together is each, each assistant – each member of the staff has their role in selling this program. They've been great at getting kids on visits and hitting home runs with these, these recruits. And I, I think it probably came that they, once it became very public and knowledgeable that Phillips was going to visit Kansas state, somebody, uh, I don't know why I mean, we can jump to a conclusion. there did not want him taking that visit and did whatever they could to try and close it out. Yeah. You know, I mean, can, money, right. Can we just say, I feel like you guys, you, you guys are acting like it's an NCAA. Yeah, violation. I mean, no, it's not a NCAA violation, obviously, but I, that that's an assumption. I just didn't want to recklessly speculate without being explicitly told. Dy, what is happening in this game right now? And by the game, I mean like college sports that is not reckless. Everything's reckless. <laughs> to hell with it. We can be as reckless as we want here on the Three Mob Podcast. All right, this is me giving you permission to be wildly reckless. I guess at least me and Cole. Okay, Cole and I can be reckless because we're not, you know, Big J journos anymore. And I'm in Vegas, so I can be really reckless right now. Exactly. Perfect. I'm going to go put some money on the futures odds, you know, and if I if I cash in, I mean, that, that national, money's good. What are the odds to, for Kansas State to win a national uh, championship? Pool? You know, in, in basketball, I haven't checked them yet. I haven't had a chance. Uh, I'm going to guess uh, 300 to one or so, oh. but uh, – Listen, this is how you get this is how you get your elevate hoodie. All right. You show ultimate faith in Vegas right now. You leave after recording the three mile pod today. You go to the nearest sports book and you put down all the money in that slush fund of yours on K-State to win the national championship next year in basketball. That's how that's how you get your honorary spot on staff with an elevate hoodie from Coach Tang. And if it wins, Coach Tang and staff, if you're listening, I will give 50% of that toward an NIL collective. 
Perfect. Right. So Perfect. you went, you went, you know what? If, if they won a national title, I would give a hundred percent of it to the NIL collective. I mean, seriously, whatever. I, I would give so much for He's a national putting a championship. Dollar on it, so yeah. it's $300. So, no, 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 no. I would, I would put more than that. Uh, it, uh, it would be a dream for Kansas state to win a national championship in basketball or football. So <laughs> you're going to yeah. have, you're going to have K-State rolling out for the 2024-25 the season in jerseys with a little patch with, with Brody, Cole's son's face on them. Is, uh, <laughs> happened there. It all goes through. How's how's all this for Reckless, D.Y.? How's that for Reckless? <laughs> we're, I mean, we're on the Vegas streak right now. Uh, all right, let me throw in one last little basketball uh, blurb here. That would be a question about Sean Phillips, who did take a visit, top 50 player for this current class. Another big, but somebody that is pretty high profile and seemed to like the K-State visit, but did the hashtag not committed thing. And, and now that recruitment is still very much up in the air. So well, where do things stand with Sean Phillips? I mean, all we know is what he tweeted, really, because that's another – I mean, basketball recruiting is a different beast, right? To get in to get in the inside circle of those, it takes a, a lot of swindling, I think. But uh, – He's going to visit two more places and then announce on May 17th. What are Kansas State's chances? Uh, I would say pretty good. They seem like they blew him away, right? I think we can all agree on that. Now, how it fares, we'll, we'll find out. I think one of those two visits is going to be West Virginia. I can't 100% confirm, but it does seem like the Mountaineers are going to be a threat. If I if I had to muster, you know, not a recklessly speculate, but educated speculation, I would imagine – I think West Virginia is one of those other two schools to be mindful of. Yeah, I, I certainly would be a huge addition. Um, he's been kind of a, he's kind of had a quiet recruitment since he reopened it, right? He doesn't do a lot of self promotion on social media. He mentioned he was going to announce his top six schools coming soon, take two more visits, but I I don't think we've seen that list yet, and it's been two or three days, no, right? We haven't, and it's funny. I'm going to list the top six, even though I'm only making three visits. So you know, recruiting, right? Recruiting. Yeah, well, you just got to wait twelve more days. Today's May fifth, May seventeenth is when he's going to announce. He's the tenth ranked center, the number fifty player in the country according to Rivals. Would certainly be a huge addition. Uh, hopefully they can get him in the fold. A lot of length and mobility athleticism that he certainly brings to the table uh, would be a big-time addition to Kansas State. And when you look at the overall recruiting class, I kind of would like to see them maybe not tie down all 13 scholarships for this year and leave one or two open just because they're they're coming from behind a little bit. They had so many spots to fill. You know, I'd like to make sure that 23 class, they have three or four spots that they can go ahead and fill. And the other thing, just last thing on basketball, we, we talked about Antoine Davis and Messamos on social media. Can we give Coach Tang a shout out for messing with us all on social media with his post to bring out the every man a wildcat? We thought we had a commitment in the fold. This is why you can't trust social media and credit to him. I mean, that was phenomenal and so excited that he's going to have his daughter come to Kansas State, have the family nearby. That's great. But uh, that's just another reason with social media. You know, he, Coach Tang trolled all of us with that addition, and I just happened to be up at eleven thirty at night and then couldn't sleep. Yeah, you guys were lucky; you were you were in bed, but I was I was up trying to frantically. Oh my gosh, who is it? You know, I was so excited. Uh, you know, but but no, that's exciting for Coach Tang. Going back to your point before that, and filling up spots, maybe leaving a spot or two. I would tend to disagree, I guess, just because you could find a one year transfer just to, to have a practice body at least because he's going to leave and that spot will be open anyways. I think those are going to be available or probably still available in the transfer portal. And also it's the age of the transfer portal. I mean, he just he just had two players return off a team. I know there was a coaching change, but you're going to have, you know, attrition's going to happen in the year of the transfer portal era. And I don't think that you have to leave spots open to make space available for the future. That's fair. Yeah, and, and I think it's a fair point, and I, I'm, I understand where Cole's coming from as well because it felt like with Bruce Weber we wound up in that cycle a lot where it was having to all of a sudden add a, a good news at the last minute, right? Or somebody in the spring recruiting was not very good, and you would wind up with somebody that would leave, and then it felt like you're just constantly replacing and like chasing that spot. So I, I understand the logic there, even if it is a little bit easier to, to move guys in and out. Um, football recruiting wise, it, it's been a similar story. I think with impatience with, with Avery Johnson, uh, the, the star quarterback out of Mays, who is a, a national recruit. K-State seems to be in really good position, 
But now in pesky Oregon coming around with an offer for Avery Johnson, whether or not that's committable, I suppose, is much more up for debate. But Oregon has been sniffing around there. Now Notre Dame offers Joe Otting, an in-state offensive lineman from Hayden, who K-State have been battling, it seemed, pretty heatedly with Iowa for uh, th- this whole in-state class. We know about Dylan Edwards with Oklahoma. K-State seems to be right in it, but I, I think it's fair for most fans to be pretty conditioned to expect the worst and also not be totally used to this. Again, I'll go back to that same refrain where it's like, you know, K-State has not been in the game, even under Chris Kleiman in football, with a lot of prospects that are having Notre Dame, Oklahoma, and Oregon sniffing around here. So the, the pessimism, I think, um, comes pretty naturally for K-State fans wondering about those recruitments right now. Yeah, it's probably valid, but and I know this is only incremental progress, and I'm you know really probably – to, to some might be stretching to give them a pat on the back. But in prior years, I think you would have already seen Dylan Edwards go elsewhere, pick Oklahoma, like Kai Thomas did, right, early on. I think he committed February, March. Um, you wouldn't be in the game for someone like a receive, four-star receiver, Josh Manning from Kansas City at this stage. Uh, Joe Wadding might have went somewhere else by now, whether it be Iowa or committing on the spot when Notre Dame offered. Avery Johnson might have picked his school by now in other years. So I just think, yes, they haven't landed them yet and, and it's a win or lose business and no one's going to, you know, give them a pat on the back if they lose, but lose later than they did. But to me, it still shows the progress that they have made, the inroads that they have made and just the kind of a positive influence and vision that they're selling. And, and there's a little bit more of a, a better aura around the program in general that has allowed them to be more competitive and to drag this out as long as they have thus far. Um, with that being said, for some of these, sooner the better is probably the best answer, especially with Avery Johnson. The longer it goes, the more potential disaster you could invite, um, such as the Oregon offer, right? That just that just happened. Um, my thoughts really haven't changed a whole lot on Avery Johnson. I think the Oregon offer to Avery Johnson is much less impactful than the Notre Dame offer to Joe Otting. I think that one kind of alters the landscape a bit of that recruitment. And at one point, just like I said, when he got offered by Iowa, at one point it was that if they were to offer you know, Iowa or Notre Dame, it'd be a done deal for one of those two schools, right? Um, that was not the case when Iowa offered and I think Kansas State was probably still going to defeat Iowa for Jawadi. And if the Notre Dame offer did anything at this point, it probably eliminated Iowa from contention and made this a two-team race between the Wildcats and the Fighting Irish. Um, just because I kind of got to see it to believe it to beat a genuinely head-to-head battle with the team of Notre Dame's you know, prestige, I would lean towards Notre Dame being the pick. But since that offer came to Joe Otting's grasp, I will say, and this isn't necessarily sources tied to Kansas State either, I will say that they're pumping the brakes that this is a done deal for the Fighting Irish. They still do think Kansas State is squarely in the mix and that perhaps a, a desire to stay close to home so as you know, to be closer to family could play into it as well. And the, the other thing I will stress is there is an importance, I think an increased importance, even now from the 2020 class where we were also disappointed in state in being number two, because how many kids are transferring? I mean, kids are transferring all the time. And I, I think I mentioned this the other day, but I read an article that was done by one of the national outlets about how coaches were saying that it can almost be more valuable to be number two right now, because then they've burned their free transfer. If you finish number two and they decide after a year, they want to bail and they come transfer to you. Well, now they're, I don't want to say stuck, but it's a lot harder to transfer at that point. And, and then you get to be the school that has them a little bit more locked down. So uh, keep that in mind. I know that hasn't come back around to fruition, but it sounded like it almost did with Kai Thomas, for instance, at, at one point in time. And and he winds up going to Kansas. And we can thank our guy, PJ Fleck, it sounds like, for that. But you get the point there. If K-State is inching their way closer to some of these kids, there still is the possibility in today's day and age. And it's it's not just a, hey, me trying to make you feel better possibility. That is a legitimate possibility looking at the landscape right now. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and and at one point in regard, I think that's a really good point, John. I, I certainly think it's important to not burn bridges with these kids, right? You got to keep that relationship because they're gonna they're the likelihood of them transferring at some point, especially from the powerhouse programs like in Oklahoma, a Notre Dame, and they may not get on the field in a year or two, get impatient and transfer, and then you lock them down, and then it's much more difficult to get out, right? Because of the free transfer. That's a great point that you brought up on the Avery front. You know, I think what's interesting, D.Y., is Oregon and Notre Dame are both really chasing Dante Moore, right, a five-star quarterback. They both have offers out to him. He's visited both places. Now, the loser of the Dante Moore sweepstakes, do they then go after Avery? We know Notre Dame had recruited Avery as well at one point, but it sounds like he might be down their pecking order a little bit. Is that right? Yeah, it's it's hard to – 100% feel confident in a determination of what another school's pecking order is, but I have reached out to people, you know, that suggest that yes, Avery Johnson could be in the cards for Notre Dame. Should they miss out on Dante Moore? but they still wonder if there's another quarterback or two in between. I mean, it, it you know, coaches play, keep that close to the vest. So it's really hard to gauge. I will just, what they did say, and it is fair to note is that Avery Johnson is it necessary? And now they they may, they may have a different offensive system now. I, I don't know what angle or direction they're going to go, but he's not typically the type of quarterback that Notre Dame has deployed either. Yeah, and I think the challenge for Kansas State is, you know, they they haven't they don't have any other quarterbacks that they're really after right now, right? I mean, Zane they Flores. Probably, they, they probably do, and we just don't know, but none that they have offered, correct? Right. Yeah. So the pressure you could look at it from Oregon's perspective. Did Oregon offer Avery Johnson to pressure Rashada? or one of the other quarterbacks that they're chasing to try and get them into a commitment. Rashada, another very talented quarterback out of California. Um, are they trying to get him to move the needle? I know it sounds like he he could potentially go elsewhere. I think the ideal scenario, right, would be Rashada go to Oregon, Dante Moore go to Notre Dame, and then the options start to really get limited for Avery. Yeah, I mean, that's the ideal scenario, but that's just the thing, right? These quarterback dominoes are so wild right now because – them putting themselves on the open market is really ratcheting up their value. And I know people don't like to hear this, but NIL is playing a very big role right now and how the quarterback dominoes are unfolding. And guess what? They're probably not done. We're probably going to see them go through another cycle in October, November, or whenever it may be, because whoever doesn't get Arch Manning, and that's between Texas, Alabama, and Georgia, they got to find another quarterback too. And they don't have like an obvious one. They're all waiting on Arch and they're going to wait but they'll be able probably to flip whoever they want because it's Texas, Alabama, and Georgia should they not get them. So that could cause another avalanche of quarterback musical chairs later in the cycle. Well, get your popcorn ready for that. We'll all have fun with that one, man. Um, as far as the football discussion goes, I mean, I think another thing people will wonder about is what about this current team needs being filled on this current team? We're now out of spring ball. Let's just we'll close on this note. I know K-State has had a junior college defensive back in who seems to be blowing up now. It seemed like a good scout eval from, from K-State there. Potentially another transfer from Prairie View A&M. Reggie Stubblefield, sauce boss, stand up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but where do things sit right now as far as K-State's needs and how likely it is that they'll be able to fill some of these needs? Because, again, back to me being antsy, this is one where it's like, all right, man, I mean, we're, we're sitting here in May and you don't feel great about the depth in a lot of places, particularly on the defensive side of the ball and running back for that matter too. Yeah, not hear a lot of running back, to be fair. Um, and, and I think that'll come because that is a need. They need another running back to pair with Deuce Vaughn, give him a you know a break here and there, obviously, and be that alternative. And I'm not sure that it exists on the roster unless DJ Giddens really emerges in the next few months. So that still needs to be addressed. Um, they're going to have uh, – they're going to address wide receiver again as well. I think that they're, they probably have a, have a need there. So those are probably those might be the two lone spots that they address on the offensive side of the ball. I think they probably feel good about just every other position. Now, part of the reason tied in is just there's not a real 
you know, pool of prospects available at tight end. So even if you wanted to address the tight end, there really just isn't an, a current avenue to do so unless maybe a junior college prospect pops up. At, and quite frankly, the junior college um, market is being mined quite a bit um, just in general, not just Kansas State right now. So I think some schools are are turning to that at this point of the calendar. I think junior college recruiting might be more popular at this point. That might be one of the adjustments that is – being made just after their spring year and you can go watch spring practice during the evaluation period and, and get a good read on, on what's out there. So, but defensively is where they really need to reinforce with much more depth. I think you can make an argument that linebacker corner and safety all need to be addressed. They just had the junior college corner um, blanking on his name, Jordan Wright in last weekend, but just before that he was, you know, offered by Florida State in West Virginia because, you know, his name got out there and started to circulate and, you know, everybody started to kind of circle the waters a little bit. So now he wants to take those visits. And I think that's why, and you saw it a little bit with Kansas State basketball, and I think you see with Kansas State football at times too. Sometimes when they're about to have a kid on campus, they want that visit to kind of go under the radar just long enough so where he doesn't really build a bunch of other offers right before – that visit so that they can close them on a visit. And I think that's probably coming into play here because I think they're going to have both a linebacker and a safety and a safety is Prairie View A&M transfer, Drake Cheatham. Um, both of those two will be on campus this weekend. I think the linebacker is a junior college prospect. I can't say this, um, just kind of learned this actually in the last 30 minutes, they will have a power five transfer wide receiver on campus for a visit this weekend as well. Well, we'll be texting you offline to find out that information to yeah, gather that from you. Where was that uh, in the group chat? I don't know. Yeah, where the, I don't have my phone with me right I was, now. But we were in this podcast, so I please, <laughs> please, uh, please text that to us right now so I can review this information and then start goring, looking through the stats. Uh, you know, one of the things with Jordan Wright, DY, you know, you look at the junior college ranks getting guys in late. You, you look at he's obviously a very talented player. DJ Reed was a guy that Kansas State kind of snuck in years ago and ended up obviously just turning into a total stud. Um, now playing well NFL and got a big contract in New York Jets. And so it would be nice if they could sneak those guys in because, look, I think Kansas State has a chance to be really good in football this year. I mean, I, I legitimately think if they can plug some holes, they have a chance to get to Arlington for the Big 12 championship. And But they, they have some holes that they have to fill to make that really realistic. They need more depth. There's six or seven guys that they really need to find a way to add into the portal that can have a meaningful impact on this football team. And you mentioned, I mean, linebacker with the departure of Brandon Jennings. I mean, you look at the linebacker position, the guys that were on scholarship that were recruited to Kansas state to be on scholarship and Will Honus walked on. Now I think Will Honus will probably get a scholarship. He didn't play last year due to injury. We've heard great things about him, right? I think he can be very solid for Kansas state, but again, large injury history there. You got to hope he can stay healthy you got Daniel Green, who's a total stud at the linebacker position, all Big 12 type player, but you got to have guys behind him. Khalid Duke and Crew Jackson are listed as linebackers on the roster, but we know they're more of the hybrid types. Then you got Austin Moore and Nick Allen, who were walk ons to come to K State. And then Gavin Hazelhorse left the program, who's a linebacker, again, kind of a guy that probably didn't have a, a fit, it was a tweener, more of a tweener type but they don't, they don't have really much scholarship guys at the linebacker position. So they got to desperately address that. You, you even look at D end. I mean, you got Nate Matlack and Felix Anadiku Uzama who are two really good football players, but then who do you have behind them? I mean, you don't have a lot of depth there. And then obviously yeah. in the secondary with Jaylen Marvin Pickle. Martin, Jalen Pickle. Yeah. Jalen Pickle. Yeah. You know, those guys move in and out with the three, 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 five scheme. But then you look at the secondary Marvin Martin, leaves the program, a safety. He was your only young safety on the team. Now, I think they can be okay at the safety position for this year because they have some veteran guys. Sean Robinson, a transfer from Missouri, he's got one year. Josh Hayes, a transfer from Virginia, previously North Dakota State, has moved to the safety position, another senior. Kobe Savage, a junior college player, who's going to be a junior coming in this year, this first year in the program, another safety. And then you got TJ Smith. So you got a lot of veteran guys there. You don't have a sophomore or younger on scholarship behind them at the safety position. Yeah, except Again, the two, it, except today's the day and age, harder to be a developmental program. I will just yeah, I, will, I, I would I, I would just I would just say that I feel better uh, this year. I think linebacker is going to be fine this year, assuming Will Honus is what he's cracked up to be. I think safety is fine this year. I think defensive end's fine this year. The only one that I think is still on, you know, in a bad place right now for this year is actually cornerback because they literally don't 
have any proven playable depth behind Echo Boydo and Julius Brents now that Josh Hayes has moved to safety. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a great point. I mean, you're, you're relying on Omar Daniels, who I think is a talented player, but he's going to be a redshirt freshman. And then Daryl Jones, who's also a redshirt freshman. Those are the two guys behind him right now, right? Do you what? Yeah, those are the two. So they're, they definitely need to – I think corner is more of the glaring need for this season. I think there's still enough in a stable, especially since I thought Austin Moore played pretty solid last three yeah. at linebacker last year. I think you can bandage something together this year at linebacker and safety. And I will just continue to say, I mean, I, I don't mean this to be a cop-out, and certainly I'm not trying to excuse things for the staff because one of the most mystifying things has been the the lack of proven development at linebacker. Um, I agree. With what you thought Chris Kleiman and his brand was coming from North Dakota State, uh, it's that, that has been a failure for sure, um, an incredibly disappointing one. But the landscape is changing to the point where, like, saying, like, ah, it's frustrating, we don't have young safeties, they keep leaving, but – hey, they're going to be okay this year because they filled with some transfers like Sean Robinson. I mean, that, that may just be what this turns into every single year. Um, I, you, you want to have some guys and need to strike some level of balance there, but it's getting harder. It's getting harder and harder to do that and harder and harder to be a developmental program that way, which is why I think you know some of the success we've seen from K-State staff in the portal uh, bodes very well for their success here in the future. And I, I do think they have a decent handle on that and, and how to do that. So Anyway, it'll be a discussion that continues um, certainly on into the fall and, and into the coming years. Probably going to cut it off there. Uh, shout out to Skylar Thompson for getting drafted by the Miami Dolphins, by the way, in the seventh round, joining a pretty exclusive list. Not a lot of K-State quarterbacks have been drafted in their careers. So uh, shout out to Skylar for that. Any and last words? And Russ East. Russ East to the Rams. Russ East as well. Yes. Yes. Russ East as well. Speaking of transfers in the secondary to come in Correct. and have an impact right there. You're not playing the NFL, transfer to K-State, play safety. Yeah, go find the next Russ Yeast, then uh, then you can go play for the Super Bowl champs. That's that's right. Uh, all right, Cole, go go enjoy Vegas. Go put that money down on uh, on uh, Jerome Tang and the boys, and uh, we, we will talk to you all soon. I appreciate the help. As always, Holiday Distillery, check out 360 Vodka. Check out the new bourbon that's coming out from Holiday Distillery as well, whatever it is that you might be celebrating. For BJ Kissel, uh, behind the scenes, Derek Young, Cole Manbeck, I'm John Kurtz. Thanks for listening to Three Mom once again. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.